Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno, hour number two of the program here. We'll get to the NBA in just a moment. Back to College Hoops, five games to wrap up Conference Championship Sunday. We'll get the deciding factors in the Big Ten, the SEC, the A-10, the American, and the Ivy. All five of those conferences will give an automatic qualifier bid today and wrap up uh, what should be uh, 31 automatic qualifier bids to the NCAA tournament. Of course, we'll have Selection Sunday coming up this evening right here on VEASAN. Make sure you keep it locked in to VEASAN and VEASAN.com. As the brackets come out and all the lines come out, certainly going to be a lot of information and a lot of early value on some of these teams. In fact, coming up next, we'll look at bracketology and Joe Lenardi's sort of uh, you know predictions for where things are going to go and look at some first-round matchups that could be very, very interesting, including the first four matchups that could be very, very interesting as well. So we'll do that coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes as well. Adam Trigger of Wager Talk will join us. He's handicapped all five of the college basketball games for today. And we'll look at some futures for the NCAA as well before we uh, get out of here in our number two. Again, thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us here on VSIN. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. All right, NBA slate today. A couple of games I'm going to focus on and some interesting totals here today that we'll get to as well. But I want to start in the Big Apple where the Knicks, uh, who are on the last game of a seven-game road trip, technically on the road today as they visit the Brooklyn Nets at the Barclays Center. But they return back here to New York after Madison Square Garden was occupied by the Big East tournament for the last you know five or seven days. Uh, they are now back home, got to sleep in their beds last night as they finish up this seven-game road trip against the Brooklyn Nets. Somebody break up the New York Knicks as of late. Um, they have been really impressive. Uh, they've covered five in a row, uh, and they are a team right now that was after a 2-12 and ATS run. Um, they're, they're covering in five straight, includes a one-point loss to Phoenix and a four-point loss to Memphis. All of a sudden, the Knicks have like started to play really well. They're usually stagnant offense has found life over the last five games, averaging 116 points per game. Um, the Nets themselves coming off probably their most impressive win of the season. They dismantled the Sixers uh, the other night in Philadelphia and won by 29. This new Nets potent lineup, uh, the one with James, uh, without James Harden, rather, won't have Kyrie Irving because they are back home at the Barclays Center, where some ridiculous rule in New York allows Kyrie Irving to walk into the arena without a mask and being vaccinated, but won't let him play, but also allows teams from visiting cities to walk in and play if they are unvaccinated. Nonetheless, the Nets 6-24-1 against the number at home this year. So uh, the, the Nets are laying five and a half here. And the question really is, is Kevin Durant alone enough offensively to you know, provide the production that the Nets need to win and cover the number. On the surface, the answer is yes. But in reality, we don't have a sample size large enough with this new line that's out there with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, uh, you know, and, and 
uh, Kevin Durant healthy to know what really this offense looks like when Kyrie Irving can't play. So it's a really tough thing to cap because we don't really have a big enough sample size to know um, to eliminate as much variance as possible. On the flip side, you could argue, are the Knicks really this trustworthy? I think the answer also is no. I mean, this, you know, this sort of run that they've been on could go away uh, in a heartbeat. They haven't been a great cover team at all all season long either for the Knicks. I, I will lean on the Knicks here getting the points because, again, when it's no Kyrie Irving in the lineup, it feels like a fade here. Uh, and, and maybe the Knicks could continue to play well, uh, well enough at least to cover this number. It wouldn't shock me if the Nets won this game uh, and didn't cover and the Knicks were able to keep it close again. If they could keep it close with Phoenix and Memphis – uh, within four points for both those games, then they should be able to do the same against the Nets defense, by the way. That's been really, really bad as of late. When you look at the total in this game, too, which sits around 224, 225, depending on where you shop around, um, the Knicks, who have a really solid defense, they're 8-2 to the over in their last 10 games. And on this road trip, the Knicks have gone over in four or six games. The only two games they didn't go over were because they didn't allow their opponent to score 100 points. And so... Uh, Obviously, again, their offense has done much different and much better over their last 10 games than what we've normally used to seeing from the Knicks offense. The Nets, 7-3 and three to over over their last 10, um, but they see considerably lower totals at home than on the road, obviously, because of Kyrie Irving not being in the lineup. I still think this, this number is low enough for me to fire on the over, given the Knicks' recent surge on offense and their lagging defense of late. The Knicks' defense giving up 112 points per game over their last 10 games, and the Nets defense, oh, by the way, has been terrible over their last 10, allowing 117 points per game. So for me, it's Knicks in the over in this game um, and in a situation where uh, the Knicks sort of get a almost de facto home game and they don't have to face Kyrie Irving. So uh, I'll look to the Knicks in the over in that game. Let's move on to Philadelphia and Orlando. Now, again, the Sixers, uh, they're going to look to get back on track after they got beat up by the Nets their last time out. The Orlando Magic in their last game, um, they have actually won two in a row. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I think it was at home. It was at home that they beat the Timberwolves. And they're going to try to do something they haven't done all year long. And that's when three games in a row. Um, so the Sixers take their first loss with James Harden in the lineup. Um, they did lose a game to Miami. Uh, it was a back-to-back where Harden didn't play. But they lose their first game with James Harden. Their offense finally came back to life. Harden looked awful in the game because he went three of, I think it was three of 17 shooting in the game. And he was only scored 11 points. I think he made three, three pointers and that was about it. So from that standpoint, um, their, their offense came back to back to earth a little bit. And this was a team that did not uh, score less than 125 points per game in the first five games that James Harden played. So they take advantage here today of a really bad magic team um, that is is just aching for a loss at this point in time. Um, it's a big number to lay at 12 and a half or 13 in certain spots, but I, I can back the Sixers today. Orlando 11 and 20 at home against the number, um, and they are just six and 11 against the spread at, after a win this year. So you look at the Sixers, 20 and 12 against the number on the road. Um, it is a get-right spot for Philadelphia. I think they can pounce all over the Magic and, and cover this hefty number. Not a huge play. Again, you have to worry about the back door a little bit. Uh, you may even want to look at the Sixers in the first half as a possible play just because uh, of that back door and the possibility that you know something like that could come into play. But I'll back the Sixers and lay the big number today. 
the total in this game as well is a little bit lower than I would have expected. I think the market correction has come on Philadelphia with James Harden in the offense. You started to see their totals rise in the last couple of games into the 230s because of the way this offense was moving. Magic, one of the worst offenses in the league. They average just 104 points per game, um, and they've gone under in six straight and eight of their last 10. So it's a little bit of a pause uh, when you see that sort of run by one team in an offense that isn't great. But the other thing that, that makes me pause on the over in this game is the fact that it could be a blowout. And when that happens, it's just sort of, you know, the, in the second half that Philly could take their foot off the gas and not, you know, not try and score uh, because they don't have to. But in reality, Philly doesn't have to do that much work today to clear this low total of 223, 223 and a half. Um, they, in reality, if they get to 110 or 115, even 120, all you're asking Orlando to do is get near 100 or at 100, and that number should get home. So um, I, I think it's a situation where if Philadelphia does what they did normally with James Harden in the first five games, then this total should go over. I have to bank on the fact that the sample set that I've seen from James Harden in a Sixers uniform tells me that they're going to get to 120, especially against an Orlando Magic defense. That's sort of very middle of the road. We've seen Philadelphia to this point score on everybody except the last game against Brooklyn, which hopefully is more situational if you're backing the over and Philadelphia than it necessarily is a definitive situation. Um, and so from that standpoint, I look at, at this as a Philadelphia team uh, that can get to 120 tonight. If Orlando gets to 100, that should be the math for Philly to cover and the over to hit. A couple of other interesting games here on the NBA slate um, when we look at today. In a game where nobody's interested in defense, Indiana and Atlanta, um, this is a spot where this total is at 237. Uh, so do you want to try to fight that? I don't. Atlanta's good at home uh, when it comes to scoring. That's where their overs usually hit as opposed to on the road. Uh, this is an Indiana defense that's bad, especially since they traded away Karis LeVert and a whole bunch of other players. Um, this is not a situation um, for anybody to play defense. I would look to this to be a 120 120 kind of range so i don't think you should be shy there and then of course you also get dallas and boston conversely two teams who are so interested in playing defense that this number is so low at 213 um do you really want to try and find a reason that this will go over i could see this being a you know 101 to 99 kind of game when it's all said and done uh these are two spots where i'm not going to fight the issue it's either you take the over with Atlanta and Indiana or stay away from it. You take the under in Dallas and Boston or stay away from it. I don't think there's any reason to get involved uh, otherwise, because I think you're just looking for reasons to find uh, it to be a contrarian. The other interesting line that, that caught my eye today was Houston and New Orleans and the total there of 228. Why anybody wants to sweat out and under with the Houston Rockets and their bad defense? I'm not really sure, but this total looks low to me. New Orleans started out hot, and ever since they lost that overtime game to uh, Denver, they haven't won a game since. But their offense is still scoring. Um, I like the over in this spot between these two teams. I think they both get to 115. Um, I, I can't see a reason that they wouldn't. And uh, this this total seems a little bit low for me, so I can jump on the over here, 228.5 between New Orleans and Houston. So still other games on the NBA slate that you look at that I think are interesting today. And again, just a couple of moments, Lakers at Phoenix. Uh, this could be a spot where Phoenix pounds all over the Lakers. Uh, Memphis and Oklahoma City, two of the best cover in the league. Uh, so an interesting matchup there between those two teams. All right, when we come back, we will dive into 
the NCAA tournament bracket, Joe Lenardi's bracket, and where teams are seated to look for some value in the first round as a possible first-round matchup where we can find some edges. That's coming up next. I'm Mark Zuno. You're watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This segment of Betting Across America is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Are you tired of the same old, same old when it comes to nicotine? Have you been looking, hoping, wishing for a more satisfying, discreet, or smoke-free way to experience nicotine satisfaction? Well, just look for three letters, Z-Y-N. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are satisfying, smoke-free, spit-free tobacco alternatives. And they are available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head over to ZYN.com find to locate a store near you. That's Zinn, ZYN.com find to get your Zinn. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. There you go. Zinn and Zinno all together here on Point Spread Sunday. I just said Saturday. It is Sunday morning. It is Conference Championship Sunday. And we are with you here on VCND Sports Betting Network. Thank you again for joining us here on Sunday morning. Coming up, Adam Trigger of Wager Talk will join us as we look at the five games on the schedule for today. But let's take a quick look here at the, the brackets, or at least the proposed brackets for the NCAA tournament here. Because, you know, it's interesting. Um, there are a lot of teams here that, you know, uh, I think are going to get interesting first round matchups. Um, and it, it's still to be decided. I, I would tell you that Tennessee to me, if they win the SEC to me, the fact that they wouldn't get a two seed feels like they kind of get robbed, um, especially with Auburn getting bounced in the first round of their conference tournament. Um, Auburn set on a two line right now, according to Joe Lenardi. But if you look at each bracket here, I think there are some interesting matchups. And, and I'll give you the kind of last four in, according to Lenardi, because these are the teams that are going to play in that first four game, which has now moved up the 6-11 and gone to the 5-12. Um, this is a new thing this year in the NCAA tournament. The play-in round went from the 11 seed to the 12 seed. But the last four in are Notre Dame, Michigan, Wyoming, and Texas A&M. Uh, A&M, even without winning today, looks like they're going to get in because of their run through the conference tournament. So those are the four teams that are going to play. And, of course, you got the four 16 seeds, which are the bottom teams, the automatic qualifiers, which he has listed right now as Texas Southern, Texas A&M, uh, Community College, Texas A&M CC, or Corpus Christi, rather. I don't say Community College. Wright State and Bryant would be the four teams playing in the first four round as well. But if we start out West in San Francisco, Gonzaga gets the number one seed there. They'll get the playing game between um, Texas state and, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, and then he has Purdue who again, still has to win today uh, as a number two seed there. You, I'm going to go through the top uh, top eight seeds just so you know who they are. Um, and then on that side of the bracket as well, Texas tech at number three, Arkansas at four, you kind of five St. Mary's at six, Colorado state at seven and, and Murray state at eight. Um, and 
nothing really stands out in that bracket as far as an interesting matchup. Maybe Arkansas could be pushed a little bit offensively by a team like Vermont that plays fast. Um, Texas Tech, uh, you know, against the Montana State, that 3-14 always looks interesting. I don't think UConn would have any trouble with UAB. Um, 5-12s are always, you know, that upset that everybody looks at. Um, St. Mary's in Indiana, I would look to an under in that game. Uh, Indiana is not a very high-scoring offense. St. Mary's defense is incredibly good. Uh, that, to me, seems like a game that could go under. If I'm getting a total there that's in the 130s, that could be a total that stays in the one uh, that stays in the 120s, both of those teams in the low 60s in that matchup. I think that's there's some some possible uh, uh, set, you know, matchups you can look at there. Colorado State and San Francisco, the 7-10 matchup, tough to handicap. St. Murray State and San Diego State also equally could be. Very tough to handicap uh, as well because both those teams from mid-majors, that seem pretty evenly evenly balanced. Over in the South Division, Arizona gets the one seed there. Duke ends up being the number two. Uh, they have Tennessee listed as the three so far in that spot. Houston as a four seed. Uh, again, if they win their conference tournament today, I assume they stay in the four. If they lose, it could shift. Providence comes in at five, Boise State at number six, uh, Michigan State at seven, and TCU at eight. Interesting matchup between TCU and Seton Hall. TCU is a team that I think could make a ton of noise in this tournament. I don't like their draw having to go against Arizona in the second round, and I certainly don't like them going up against Seton Hall in the first round. I think it's a tough draw for the Horned Frogs there if that's where they end up. Uh, on the eight line in that bracket. It certainly is uh, problematic for them. Providence in the 5-12 matchup there against the winner of Michigan and Texas A&M. If Texas A&M doesn't win today, I think if A&M wins, they don't get on that first four. I think the the automatic qualifier would go to somebody else, and then you're looking at somebody else moving into that that uh, that that play-in game against Michigan. Um, A&M would beat Michigan. Uh, I'm going to fade a lot of Big Ten teams going into this tournament, um, but – you know, Providence getting a five seed is interesting uh, that the committee would set them up like that. A lot of people have deemed Providence very lucky this year. They played in a lot of close games. I could argue that Providence playing in a lot of close games is a is a actual benefit to them in the NCAA tournament. Not something you take away from them, but depending on what the line would look like, Providence would probably be a short favorite uh, against a A&M or Michigan team. You know, four or five points would be the number. And if it is that low, I would probably back Providence, who's been very, very solid this year. Tennessee and St. Peter's, an incredibly interesting matchup in the 314 line, if that's where it ends up. Those who don't know St. Peter's from the Metro Atlantic, one of the best defenses in the country. They only give up 62 points per game. Uh, an incredibly, you know, staunch defensive team. So is Tennessee. Is that a game you'd look to play under? Again, if you're getting a total in the 130s, uh, again, St. Peter's playing in the Metro Atlantic. Not a lot of people know this. Uh, their final, I think, in their Metro Atlantic final against Quinnipiac, uh, or was it Monmouth, rather? Sorry. Uh, they ended up below 120. I think it was in the 110s. It was like a 60 to 50 kind of final uh, in that in that. Uh, Metro Atlantic final that got St. Peter's their automatic qualifier bid. But those are two really, really good defensive teams. So you can look to an under there. Michigan State at Davidson, it's just screaming for Michigan State to be upset in the first round. Uh, especially, again, Davidson might not end up on the 10 line if they win their conference tournament. Let's see if that changes. Uh, Duke and Delaware could be interesting, given how Duke has played both from the North Carolina loss, which I think is going to stick in a lot of people's heads, uh, and even the loss to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech played their tails off last night. They could not rebound Duke. Uh, Virginia Tech was grabbing every ball 
off the glass last night. It was just a bad showing for Duke, and, and somehow that's going to stick with people, I think. Uh, I wouldn't worry about Houston against Chattanooga in the 4-13 spot there. Uh, Houston is a very complete team. If they win their conference tournament, I think they probably stay there. I can't see them moving to a three unless, of course, they move Tennessee up to a two uh, and, and Auburn you know, slides somewhere else. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. In the East, they have Baylor listed as the number one seed, uh, Auburn as the two. Then you get to Villanova as the three after they win the Big East. Illinois is a four, maybe overseeded there. We'll see. LSU is a five. A lot of things going on with LSU as they just fired Will Wade. Bama as a six seed, Ohio State is a seven, and Creighton as the eight with North Carolina facing them. That'll be a fun matchup. Uh, Creighton, not a very high-scoring team against North Carolina, a very high-scoring team, but Creighton very solid defensively. You get contrasting styles in that matchup. LSU as the five seed would get the play-in winner of Notre Dame and Wyoming. Uh, I am sort of high on Notre Dame. I think they're undervalued. Uh, I, I look at this team, good guard play, solid defense, size enough on the boards. Um, it's sort of, to me, a little bit unfair that they would be in that first-round game, but they're they're going to be, it looks like, according to Lenardi. If they get through that first-round game, which is always tough, and they get LSU, if they're catching points, I'll be all the way. 100% I'm going to back Notre Dame. Um, th- that is a spot right there that I will look to take advantage of. LSU's offense is bad. Um, they're back to being that offense that they were in the middle of the season where they couldn't get past 65 points in any game. Illinois against Princeton, uh, major size against a team that is not sized at all, very undersized. But, you know, uh, how will Illinois respond after their loss in their conference tournament? Alabama and Rutgers. Uh, I don't like the matchup there for Rutgers. Alabama can run them out of the gym. Uh, Alabama's a team I've been looking to fade, but that matchup there sort of gives me pause when it comes to Rutgers. Now, Rutgers has won some games in the Big Ten this year and beaten some really good teams, but I just don't like that style matchup for Rutgers there. Uh, If Alabama's a short enough favorite in that spot, and they will be, uh, by short enough, I mean four points or less, maybe even four and a half to five, I could stomach. If they're over six, I'd say stay away from me. But if they're at the four range, um, I I could back Alabama in that spot, given their offense and how well they played. I don't have any concerns about Villanova against Longwood. Virginia Tech against Ohio State, again, another team. Like Michigan State and Ohio State, to me, they're not tournament teams this year. They're in, I just... Don't think they're very good teams. Um, both of those teams are dependent on the three. If they don't hit the three, they're going to struggle. Virginia Tech is a great three-point shooting team. Uh, and I would look right there again. Uh, that's a spot where I could see Virginia Tech being favored, being absolutely favored. And then 215 for Auburn and Colgate. You know, that's a spot, two really high-scoring teams um, that I think could, could be a very fun game. I didn't even get a chance here to get to the Midwest package. Just a couple of games worth noting. Uh, Texas and Miami is the 6-11 matchup. Interesting there. Texas could get bounced in the first round. Memphis and Marquette on the 8-9 line. Uh, I look at Marquette, a team that could shock some people, but Memphis is very, very good. Kentucky would get the two seed. USC versus Loyola Chicago at 7-10. I don't like that draw for USC, especially against a good defense like the Ramblers from Loyola Chicago and their tournament experience. Okay, uh, we're going to talk more college groups next. Five conference championship games today. Adam Trigger of Wager Talk will join us right here on Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Thanks for watching, listening to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Point Spread Sunday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VEASAN's full court bracket betting coverage today. Six hours, free live streaming video on vcin.com, including the full bracket reveal and opening lines for every game. The vcin College Hoops experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Van Tobel, and Tim Murray, will analyze every game and discuss with book- the bookmakers making the lines to find the best early value. Don't wait for the lines to move. Start your bracket in round one tournament betting with vcin College Hoops experts today, 6 p.m. Eastern, free on VEASAN. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with me here as we get set for Conference Championship Sunday in college basketball. I'm here to break that down and handicap it. Welcome in from Wager Talk. Good friend Adam Trigger joins the show here this morning on Point Spread Sunday. Adam, welcome and thank you for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me, Mark. Looking forward to breaking down the games and then getting to see the bracket later tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start with the SEC final today between Texas A&M and Tennessee. A&M comes in on a 7-0 ATS run. Uh, you look at Tennessee, 6-0 straight up, 4-2 against number in their last uh, six games. But they are on an 11-1 straight up run where they've only given up more than 70 points to Arkansas and A&M when this 11-1 run started for the volunteers i'm going to back tennessee today i think our team of destiny i love rick barnes i think it's a little vindication for him to take tennessee to an sec championship uh but does a&m have enough offense uh to score on this tennessee defense i don't think so i actually agree with you on this one i would look to tennessee listen if this game was just if we could take this game out of march and you were just getting tennessee minus six or minus six and a half on a neutral court I think Tennessee would be a no-brainer in this spot. Uh, the reservation I have is the fact that it is March, and we know how these these things kind of go. And Texas A&M does have that that team of destiny feel right now. Um, they also there there is a couple things that concerns me for Tennessee here. One, A&M's got some decent depth, so I'm not really worried about the four games in four days for them. And two, Tennessee can have have the uh, occasional drought offensively that makes it difficult for them to cover a you know, a bigger number, but I don't think this number is big enough. I'm looking at the uh, the odds board right now. Uh, te- Texas A&M seems like your square dog of the day, if you will. It looks like everyone is on Texas A&M. And, and, and you'll see this in March, probably more so than any other time in the year where the betting public really will like to likes to jump on dogs. Um, I, you know, I'm pretty sure the, the action was on Texas A&M yesterday. They get it done. But this... You know, you go back to the regular season meeting between these two teams. Uh, Tennessee controlled that game. They won it by 10. And there really isn't a whole lot here to make me think that something different is going to happen. So I suppose, you know, Texas A&M can kind of ride this momentum wave potentially to another upset win. But I think the more likely thing here is Tennessee's defense takes over kind of the way it did in the second half against Mississippi State. You know, I think... Yesterday, maybe Tennessee was a little fortunate to win that game as easily as they did because Kentucky really didn't shoot the ball well. But you have to tip your cap to Tennessee defensively. This team is clamped down on the defensive end. And I think that will ultimately get them there today. Probably a little bit of a value on Tennessee. I I would say lay the points here if you're going to get involved with this game. Like I said, only given up more than 70 just twice over the last 12 and only scored fewer than 70 just three times, once against Kentucky, once against Auburn, and then the loss to Arkansas in a 58-48 final. So I'm, I'm back in the volunteer city. Over to the Big Ten, Iowa and Purdue. You and I were texting about this game last night, uh, and it certainly bears worth 
you know, bringing to, to light your point about Purdue being 0-9 against the number in their last nine games, and you're sort of getting a buy-low spot on a team right now where they haven't covered much, and with a short number, you could take advantage. Mark, I couldn't believe it. They haven't covered since February 8th when they beat Illinois. And, yeah, we, we texted about this yesterday, and I said, man, I don't I don't know if we'll ever get a better spot to, to get Purdue at, at this sort of bargain of a price. Um, this is my best bet for the day. I bet Purdue on the money line minus 125. It's creeping up, but I still think you could get a, a reasonable price, maybe minus 130, minus 135. I, I'm not someone that subscribes to the you can't, you can't beat a team three times theory. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. I think you need to look at what happened in those first two meetings and, and kind of, you know, we'll get into one in a, in a little bit with Memphis Houston that I, that I think could have some merit. In this one, I think this is just a matchup problem for Iowa. Um, you know, they struggled to defend efficient offense, and Purdue leads the country in offensive efficiency. They are, you know, they average 84, 80.4 points per game. They're their top five team in field goal percentage, three-point percentage. And, you know, I, I know we've talked about Purdue's defense being soft at times, but in this case, I think this is just a, a really tough style for Iowa to play. Purdue is really good at slowing teams down. Iowa wants to play fast. So I, I just think it's a, a kind of a, a conflict of interest, if you if you will, in the, the way this game is probably going to play out for Iowa to have success. And it's what we saw in the first two meetings between these two teams. Um, Purdue, to me, you know, we'll get into to tournament futures in a little bit. This is a team I think is good enough to win the NCAA title this year. Uh, there's been some sharp support in the market for their them on, on, in the futures market. Um, and, and since the beginning of the season, I've had Purdue as one of the top teams nationally. And, and you know, Purdue still seems like it seems like they get a little bit disrespected, even when they're really good. They they just don't tend to get into the conversation. Like when Michigan's good, you know about it. When Wisconsin's really good, you know you, you constantly hear about it. I feel like Purdue sort of get, gets neglected a little bit in that regard. So I think winning the Big Ten title and cutting nets down today is a big deal for them. Um, you know, yesterday, you go back to yesterday's games, Purdue could have won that game by double digits. You know, Michigan State knocked a couple threes down to, to get within the number late, unfortunately for me. Um, Iowa really needed a big effort yesterday to come back and beat Indiana. They end up doing so on a late shot. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you're going to talk about a team potentially being more fatigued, it might be Iowa. Um, especially because they play such a high-intensity type game. I think that might lead them to be willing to play the slower style that Purdue wants them to play. And if Purdue can get Iowa in a half-court game, I think that really favors Purdue. Finally, go back to earlier this year. I mean, there was one point where Purdue was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against Iowa. And I don't think there's a whole lot – that a whole lot has changed with these two teams from earlier in the season until now. So you're getting an absolute bargain, Purdue minus two or Purdue on the money line, and, and this will be my best bet today. Any reason to fight the over in that game at 148, high-posted total? I mean, again, I think 80 to 70 gets you home. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a final. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I'd be a little bit concerned that this this plays to a slower tempo. Um, that that's my I kind of only sort of concern with the over is that I can see the tempo being slower. I think Purdue wants it slower, so it, it could cut down on the number of possessions in the game, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that final score being that off. 
uh, because both these teams can really score, and both teams are very efficient on offense. Let's give you know Iowa the, the credit they, they deserve. They're an extremely efficient offensive team as well. Um, I just think this matchup really favors Purdue. All right, you mentioned beating the same team three times in a season. That's what uh, Memphis is going to have to do to Houston as they've won both of the previous matchups and limited a very good Houston offense to both 59 and 61 points in their two games. Um, Ken, again here, they're 10-2 and two against the number in their last 12 games. Uh, Houston not so bad either, 8-4 and four over their, their last dozen games here. But Memphis catching three and a half points feels like the right side. Yeah, I mean, I've I got to tell you, I thought – I thought Houston was done. When Marcus Sasser went down, I said, man, this team is in trouble. They already had some injury concerns, and they went right out. And they went 15-3 and in the ACC or AAC and won the AAC, no problem. And now here they are in the AAC title game. This is a tough handicap. You know, the number opened five at Circa. It's coming down. It looks like I'm looking at pretty much, um, you know, fours and, and now more three-and-a-halves than fours. Uh, you know, Memphis did win the two regular season meetings, but I got to give cut Houston a little slack for the two losses there. The first one came off of back-to-back road games against SMU and Cincinnati. And the last one was in the season finale um, when, when Houston essentially already had the regular season uh, wrapped up. So I think you could, you could say that those were two kind of letdown spots for Houston there. Uh, With that being said, you know, you're, get, you're catching three and a half points with a Memphis team that, that finally seems to be peaking here in this tournament. So I don't know that I want to go against that. I think slight lean to the number here with Memphis for me, uh, but I, I, I can't see myself getting to the window with this game. Uh, but, but just for argument's sake, I would say Memphis plus the points does show a little value if you can still get a four. Trey, real quick, 30 seconds. Richmond and Davidson, where are you going on that one? Yeah, you know, Richmond, teams that give a second life can be scary. Richmond is basically playing for a bid today. You know, they trailed by 14 yesterday, and, you know, Dayton Malachi Smith goes down. Richmond comes back to win the game. Uh, I think you're getting some nice value, Richmond plus four. They obviously need to win to get in. Uh, I went against Davidson yesterday when St. Louis came up short. Davidson shot the lights out. I think we see a little bit of shooting regression. Uh, I say Richmond plus four is a pretty solid bet. Follow him on Twitter at TopFlightSI. He's Adam Trigger of Wager Talk. Thanks, brother. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for having me, Mark. Good luck today. You too, brother. Coming up next, we'll get you my picks for today, Selection Sunday, next on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. The KSC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good. Order the KSC chicken sandwich today. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here. Final segment of the program as we get you set for conference championship Sunday uh, and the selection Sunday bracket reveal coming up later on tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern. Make sure you lock right here to VEASAN for all of the selection Sunday coverage as well. Don't forget to, to get the Hoops Madness Guide, just $19, an absolutely home run of an investment if you're going to bet on the NCAA tournament. Of course, just two days from today, we'll get our first round of the first four games coming up. So uh, it's so important to get in on these lines early and figure out where you can find the value before uh, before it moves and the public jumps in. So again, 6 o'clock tonight right here on VEASAN. Make sure you guys have it locked in 
for all of the coverage on Selection Sunday. Okay, Conference Championship Sunday uh, in my place for the day here coming up uh, as we wrap things up here on Point Spread Sunday. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno. That's M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. All right, into the SEC final. Here we go. Texas A&M and Tennessee, as I just spoke with Adam Trigger about. I'm going to back the volunteers here. Uh, for me, it's about their defense. That's what it was about yesterday when they beat Kentucky, and I backed them as a as a short underdog catching two and a half points. Uh, they win the game outright, obviously, and they're taking on a Texas A&M team that just has so much momentum, and that may be the scary part here. Uh, and I thought Adam brought up an excellent point that if you take this game out of March uh, and just play it, Tennessee – easily is the better team on the right side, but the momentum that Texas A&M has carried forward from their first three games in the, in their conference tournament means a lot. It does. It's what Virginia tech did uh, to Duke. And so it's not of the realm of possibility that Texas A&M can win this game. I just have a ton of faith in Tennessee and their defense and the way that they've played over their last 12 games. They're 11 and one straight up. Tennessee has only given up more than 70 points, just twice once to Arkansas, one of the, better and higher scoring teams in the country and one of the fastest pacing teams in America. And the other one actually was to Texas A&M in a game that Tennessee won 90 to 80. So neither one of those teams are, 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 you know, set to play that style of game on a routine basis. I think that was the, the anomaly there, uh, but also Tennessee's offense has really kind of found a level of consistency in that same 12 game span where they only gave up more than 70 twice. They only scored less than 70 three times once against Kentucky once against Auburn, and in a loss to Arkansas, 58-48 was a final, and I highlight the loss just because, again, when you hold Arkansas to 58 points, yeah, that's that's really tough uh, to do with that, with that team and that kind of offense. So uh, I, I like the Volunteers today. I, I think that they have all the reason in the world to want to win this thing. I think Rick Barnes, absolutely the head coach of the Volunteers, wants to win this thing, so it's a little bit of vindication for him. You know, and A&M, as I mentioned, the momentum, they, they've been an up and down team all year long. They start out the season straight up 15 and two. Then they lose eight of their next nine games. And now they're finishing up on a seven and zero run straight up and against the number uh, as they move here into the conference tournament. So, you know, this is a team right now um, that there's a lot of reason to back because they are hot. But Tennessee is, has been more sound, more consistent um, and with a lot of the public looking at a number this big going, how can I, how can I lay that many points? Well, uh, this will be a team that will end up being a square dog at the end of the day. So much of the public is going to take the points here uh, and they're on the wrong side. Tennessee is a markedly better team. And I think they proved that today. Um, despite the fact that Texas A&M is good on the defensive end, they're number four in America in steals. Tennessee takes care of the basketball as good as anybody does. I keep going back to what I've always saying, good guard play and good defense when it comes to conference tournaments and NCAA tournaments and things that you can trust and rely on. And that's what Tennessee has done all year long. On to the Big Ten final between Iowa and Purdue. Uh, again, a lot of reasons uh, to like both of these teams offensively, two top 10 scoring teams in America. Iowa number four, scoring 84 points per game, and Purdue number 10, scoring 80 points per game. And so, yeah, I think points will be scored. I'll tell you about the over here in just a minute that I'm going to play, but I'm going to back Purdue 0-9 against the spread in their last nine games. And that's because their offense has said they have to be laying a, a big number. They're not laying a big number here. Really, essentially, all they got to do is win. Uh, you could take them on the money line. I think it's a smart play there. You can lay the two or one and a half, depending on where you get it. Shop around the one and a half is maybe gone. It may be at, at a solid two right now. But, you know, take it. Take a look here at Purdue on this short number. Both of these teams, great three-point shooting teams. Um, both of them shooting better than 37% from beyond the arc. 
But Iowa, again, has struggled um, in their last couple of games to get to this point. Could argue I was on Iowa yesterday and laid the points. Thought they were going to snap out of against Indiana. They didn't. Um, you know, again, Purdue defensively for me, I, I wish they were a little bit better. I wish they were a little bit more consistent. But still, this is a Purdue team that has size. They have a big rebounding advantage. Uh, again, that's enough for me to back them today on a short number. So I'm going to lay it with Purdue. As far as the total at 148, see no reason to fight this total. I think, again, 80 to 70 is somewhere in the final. Um, and I'm not going to look for reasons this thing could go under, fatigue or whatever else it may be. If it goes under, it goes under. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, both of these teams have been consistent enough offensively for me to believe that this total below 150 at 148 is the right side to take the over. Excuse me. So, uh, again, when, when you have two high-scoring teams this year in college hoops, I try not to fight it and don't look for reasons to fight it. I'll back the trend in the over uh, in this spot between these two teams. Also, um, when it comes to college hoops today, again, no real feel for the Memphis-Houston game. Um, and then Richmond and Davidson, I, I think the motivation side is with Richmond getting the three points. Uh, and I feel like, you know, uh, Davidson's already a lock for the tournament and they know it. Uh, Richmond needs to win more. And so I'd take the points there, but not a real necessarily strong play for me. And the same thing in the Ivy League. I'd lay the three points with Princeton. There probably is some value on Yale. Um, but, you know, Princeton, I think, has the experience uh, and, and has been primed for this moment a little bit more than Yale has. But again, not a real strong feel one way or another on the Ivy. Uh, it's been tough to handicap the Ivy all year long. Uh, simply because, again, they haven't played in a year. They took all last year off. So uh, I've stayed away from the Ivy League a lot this year and, and looking at them as places to look for value. But those are the other three games that are on the slate for today. Let's go to the NBA and the games that I like, Brooklyn and the New York Knicks uh, in a game that where the Knicks are actually finishing a seven-game road trip technically on the road today at the Barclays Center. Um, this is a Knicks team that's covered five in a row. They were on a span of where they went 2-12 and 12 against the number, prior to this five-game run where they're 5-0 ATS. Um, that includes, in this run, a one-point loss to Memphis, and a four, I'm sorry, one-point loss to Phoenix, rather, and a four-point loss to Memphis. Where do they fit against the Brooklyn Nets as they're catching five-and-a-half points? It's hard to handicap the Nets right now. They're not going to have Kyrie Irving. Um, coming off their biggest win of the season, when they blew out Philadelphia, they don't have Kyrie Irving, and that feels like a complete fade to me just simply because this is a team – at home this year is 624 and one against the number because they have no Kyrie Irving. Now I don't necessarily think the Knicks are all that trustworthy and this little five game run against the number that they're having could snap at any time because I don't think the Knicks are a very consistent basketball team, but still there is much more to fade. I think with Brooklyn without Kyrie Irving, because we don't know yet really what the lineup looks like with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond after the trade of James Harden and just Kevin Durant. We haven't seen enough of that yet to really know and get a good feeling for what that sample size looks like. Um, but I would tell you again, I can straight fade the Nets when laying points at home just because of how bad that they've been without Kyrie Irving in the lineup. Now, again, some of those numbers were without Kevin Durant in the lineup as well, who's been injured since before Christmas. But still, you know, it's a uh, it's a situation where I feel confident enough to take the points with the Knicks. Nets probably win the game, but I'll back the Knicks here uh, getting five and a half points. And then also in Philadelphia. Um, the 76ers coming off that loss I just talked about where they were blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, feels like a get right. This is a big number, and um, this is a, a tough number to lay, especially on the road. But Orlando is just terrible. And Orlando has not won three games in a row all season long. They've won their last two. So uh, the, the Sixers offense finally looked mortal, finally looked 
you know, human uh, with James Harden in the lineup in their last game against Brooklyn. But Harden went three of 17 from the floor, only scored 11 points. He was terrible. But I'll have to trust the sample size that I've seen with James Harden, that the, that the Sixers offense will get back on track. They can score 120 in this game uh, and, and limit Orlando's really bad offense, which only scores 104 points per game. Uh, that's third worst in the NBA uh, and limit them to 100 points and easily cover this number. Feels like a get right spot for the 76ers. Again, it is a big number to lay. Um, Orlando just 11 and 20 against the spread at home this season and 6 and 11 against the number after a win. So uh, this is not a team that puts together win streaks a lot. Six is very good on the road against the spread this year, 20 and 12. Uh, you, you know, that's a, almost a 60% range for them. I think you do have to worry a little bit about the backdoor. So you could look possibly at uh, uh, at taking Philly in the first half. But again, I'm going to back the Sixers, lay the big number. One quick pick on the ice tonight. We're going to go to Toronto uh, against the Buffalo Sabres. I'm going to take Toronto on the puck line. At minus one and a half, only paying minus one on weight on the price here. Toronto, third highest scoring team in the league, averaging nearly four goals a game. Buffalo, bottom five in goals against or goals today, uh, as they only average 2.6 goals per game. Toronto stays hot. They win by at least two uh, and cover the puck line of minus one and a half. That does it for me here on Point Spread Sunday. Make sure you stay locked into Beeson all day long here, especially at 6 p.m. Eastern when the brackets are released. Give me a follow on Twitter at Marzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Thank you for watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. We'll see you next time.